to the Chis Ascendancy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chis Ascendancy Podcast. Uh, this is Josiah, and then uh, Samuel wasn't able to be on with us, or Adam, so I'm just flying solo today. And I've got a very great guest. Uh, this is one of those guys that if I introduced him to someone at uh, at the store or whatever, I'd say, hey, this is my friend Mark Thompson. If Mark was introducing me, he would say, hey, here's that guy from that show that I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark is uh, a huge Star Wars fan and also narrates a slew of the Star Wars audiobooks. So if you're ever listening to uh, a Star Wars audiobook, there's a pretty good chance uh, Mark's the guy narrating it. So he's he's jumping in with us today, uh, cut out a little bit of his time and his very busy schedule. So we're excited. We're in episode 94. Uh, we're just getting closer and closer to that uh, that 100th episode. So we're excited. And uh, so, Mark, thanks for coming on today, man. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be with you. So uh, we've had Mark on once before, and uh, we just kind of talked to him really about what life is like in his world as far as narration, reading, all that kind of good stuff. Um, he's been in several, several shows, not just Star Wars. Uh, if you've ever seen him at cons, his banner is like uh, a commercial for a Honda Element back in the day with just stickers <laughs> all over it from different brands and stuff. <laughs> uh, so, and then my understanding as far as animation stuff, I know that you were in Tatooine Rhapsody for, um, for Visions. Yeah. And then um, have you done anything else as far as animation? Because I know your your specialty is the audiobook stuff. Right. Yeah. Not with Star Wars. Like that's been the only thing so far with Star Wars. I, I do and have done like a bunch of animation stuff like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was on the right. 2003 Ninja Turtles and all that jazz. So. Yeah. So he's he's got uh, a large uh, uh, quiver to draw his uh, voice arrows from. And so I asked him, uh, you know, I always see what's cool uh, with you, Mark, is that there's a lot of people I feel like um, there's pros and cons to this. But whenever you see someone coming in and creating Star Wars, sometimes they're uh, a surface level fan or maybe not even really a fan, but they enjoy filmmaking. And Star Wars obviously has that great appeal of being such a legend in the industry. Uh, so for you, it's really cool because... Uh, we're friends on Facebook and things as well. And so I'll see you getting ready for the Mandalorian and you've got your whole spread in front of you. Yeah. Um, I was showing my That's wife. I good. thought, yeah, I, I thought the, uh, the popcorn bowl with the, with the salad mixer uh, as the back half for the, for the cradle for Grogu. I thought that was impressive. Um, so Star Wars, Star Wars is just as much a part of Mark's life as it is a part of his work. So we're always excited when we get to chat and have him on. Um, so we've been kind of reviewing a few episodes of the Bad Batch, but we're several weeks behind just because life's been so busy. Um, so anything from episode one all the way to where we're at now. Um, so how are you caught up on everything right now? Yes, 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 okay. yes. Um, and then of course, Mandalorian, I know we're all staying up till for you, I guess it's midnight cause you're on the East coast. Um, yeah, you, how I, often do you actually stay up? I, I never do because I, <laughs> I want to watch it with my wife and son. Right. Um, and she works all day on Wednesdays. So I usually have to okay. wait until like eight or nine o'clock at night on a Wednesday. So like it's torture because I, I have to like really avoid 
Facebook or Instagram because like if everybody's posting their reviews and even the thumbnails sometimes will give stuff away and I'm like ah 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 <laughs> you know so. yeah I thought it was so. real crazy um Disney plays things so close to the te- uh, to the chest you know and so um I was very surprised whenever the Bad Batch episode a couple of weeks ago the banner on Disney Plus had yeah. the Zillow Beast in the banner and yeah. I was like I guess I know what we're doing this week. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty crazy. Uh, so I guess what we'll do is, uh, so player's choice, Would you want to talk Mando first? You want to talk Bad Batch first? Uh, Bad Batch. Okay, perfect. So I know you've got a busy schedule, so I promised you under an hour. Uh, so we'll make sure we keep to that schedule. Um, cool. So Bad Batch, we're several episodes in because I know we're we're actually finally getting that double dip. Uh, we ne- we thought we were getting it with Andor and Bad Batch, but then it was Bad Batch was moved back to a couple of months. So yeah. you're getting that double whammy of Bad Batch and Mando coming out on Wednesdays right. um, for the last you know four weeks or so. And so, uh, but we're several episodes into the Bad Batch. What are your thoughts so far on season two? Is it is it living up to the hype, or do you have a lot of questions? What are you feeling from it so far? I mean, I, I love it. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a great critic. Like I, I tend to like, just love everything Star Wars and my, my son <laughs> right. makes fun of me for that. <laughs> but, uh, but I do have to say, like, I feel like the second season has surpassed the first season and it's just, they're, they're doing some really interesting things. Like the animation is just gorgeous. Like it's just, yeah. like, there's certain shots that are so cinematic and just like, they really kind of take their time and kind of sit on mm-hmm. shots for a long time. Uh, the, the, the tone is so interesting to me because it doesn't feel like a kid's cartoon. Like, you know, and obviously like Clone Wars and Rebels did this as well, where they kind of got into some really, I don't want to say adult, but like mature, more mature themes or, you know, things yeah. like that. But like, I feel like season two of Bad Batch is like, really turned that up a notch and like dealing with really intense stuff of like loss and betrayal and PTSD and like, like really doubling down on like, and the the prequels did this, but like really getting into the minutiae and politics of, of war and just like, so I'm, I'm really blown away and it's, I don't know what I was expecting, but this is way different than what I was expecting. And and I I really like it and am loving it. Yeah. I think the, the clone wars strong suit is, you have 10,000 Jedi across the galaxy. You have a couple of million clone troopers. You have a right. galaxy full of battles. So you had such a huge palette of options of stories to tell, yep. you know, and when the bad batch was announced, I was like, I've seen the dirty dozen from back in the day. How many yeah. times can they do the dirty dozen thing? And That's a good uh, point. you know what I mean? Like, okay. Like, but also I was like, well, I did grow up watching the A-Team reruns. They did a bunch of stuff, you know? So I didn't know what to expect. And I think I, I totally agree with you on season two. They're like, because we already know the group. We already know kind of where we're at as far as here's the crew. Crosshair's over here. What's going to happen with him? We'll get into that in a second. Right. Um, oh, yeah. But it's like all that's established. So they're able to just jump into what does war look like? Cause it, in a weird way, war is obviously such a negative thing, but war is also a great unifier because it's like, okay, we can all agree. We don't like this person over here. And right. now that that the veil has been pulled back and it's like, 
so who was the enemy? What's going on? We thought, you know, and and how is it affecting the clone troopers? Because we had the Republic Commando books from Karen Travis back in the day that are now Legends material. And we kind of saw like these characters not wanting to be a part of an empire. And what does that look like? And right. do in, in Legends, Order 66 was like without a thought for the main clones and the commandos and some of the uh, null arcs and things like that had more of a choice because they weren't necessarily exact clones. They'd been tempered and things like that. With these guys, it's a, we're realizing it's a like the chip plays a factor, but it's also a moral decision of following orders and doing the right thing. And now yeah. we're like, hang on, we followed orders, we we believed you, and now what's nothing good's happening? Like we right. thought we were bringing peace, peace and justice, you know. And so right off the bat, you have a a two part uh, story arc: spoils of war and ruins of war. Um, they're on Sereno which is where one of two of, or one of our favorite characters, Count Dooku is from. Um, yes. And so it's really sad because just getting off Tales of the Jedi, which was a freaking masterpiece. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. Seeing Dooku corrupted by the dark side, trying to do the right thing and it costing him his, his moral code. And then seeing just how far he fell from that, where the people around him on Sereno are malnourished and the grounds, you know, the, it's crazy because everybody's a pawn in Palpatine's game. It's like, yes. hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. you come al along for the ride, Dooku. We're going to do the right thing. You're going to make a couple sacrifices. I'm going to make a couple sacrifices. I give up Maul. You give up Qui-Gon. We're going to do the right thing. And as soon as he's expendable, Sereno's, all of its supplies, and everything are just being sucked up by the Empire. And But then you realize Dooku would have been so upset. But then you look at his you know, bank account, quote unquote. And it's like, you know, a smog's uh, treasure of gold and, you know, whatever currencies there. Um, right. And so then you really start to get to. So one and two were good. They they weren't tens. They were probably like seven and a half, eights, you know, on, on most people's scales. Then you get into the solitary clone where we finally see what, what's crosshair up to. And this is where it really gets into that deep water you're talking about. Um, man, what was it like for you seeing Cody again and seeing. Like it's the first time we've seen him since Revenge of the Sith and he's a reg technically, but he's right. dealing with some of this emotional trauma of, I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, what, what did you think about that episode with him and Crosshair going to take out these separatists? Yeah, I, I, I loved it. Like, I, is that the one where um, they're going up the spiral staircase and Crosshair yeah. the mirror and does the trick shot with it like that's so Dude. cool. Like <laughs> I love seeing even how if, even if you don't even if you're like okay I got to keep it in my head Crosshair's a bad guy you yeah, always yeah, end yeah. Up, you always just end up rooting for him he's <laughs> right. freaking he's freaking injured and he's he's like you know he's yeah. one handing the the rifle and Cody's right. like how far do I throw it and of course you know Crosshair's like as far as you can and he yeah, just yeah. throws <laughs> it and he just scopes in oh my gosh. Which it takes so out the tactical sweet. droid, which is such a huge buildup from the Clone Wars that these guys are pretty much invincible if they can read, you know, what you're doing. And yeah. um, then at the end of that episode, uh, you have a really tough moment where Crosshair is getting reassigned. And um, I did, a, I, you know, starting with getting into the Star Wars fan uh like group i grew up as a fan but instagram and taking toy photography and stuff like that before i even started the podcast really threw me into the mix of putting my fandom out there 
in mm. a concept that I that I did. Uh, I love doing like what if pictures and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. uh, one that I worked on was I put um, Cody's orange helmet on a Death Trooper body, Ooh. and he's walking next to Thrawn. And the idea was, okay, so to outmaneuver Rex, Thrawn gets Cody involved. Um, oh. And I never, I guess, so that kind of, you know before Crosshair was a big deal. This was a couple of years yeah. ago. And then it turns out Rex is, ha- or Cody's having these same convictions. And by the end of the episode, Rampart's like, hey, you're going to be reassigned to so-and-so. And he's like, what happened to Cody? And that's when you start to realize, like, nobody uses the clone names anymore. He just throws yep. out whatever his, you know, CT, whatever his uh, his code is. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's AWOL. And so you're like, dude, if Cody, who's kind of like the pinnacle of right. the clone trooper, if he's yeah. out... That's the first moment you really see because Crosshair has some issues turning on his brothers because they're so close. But in the grand scheme of things, he's like good, fo- good soldiers follow orders. But right. if Cody is a good soldier and he's kind of the Mount Rushmore of clone troopers and he's yeah. out, then that's the first time you really see Crosshair have questions. What What did you think yeah. about that? No, I, I, I loved it. it. It always kind of like once Clone Wars started to establish that they could have a conscience about order 66 or, or that it wasn't just pure zombie brainwash hypnotism. Like I, I, it bugged me that Cody didn't um, change or fight it. You know, like I was like, yeah, but you know, Cody was with Obi-Wan and and Anakin and these guys too. And like, why would, why would he just go along with it and, and no problems with it or, you know, so seeing him wrestle with it is kind of a cool redemption for me, for him. Cause I, I, I kind of, you know, wanted him to kind of see the light. So I'm, I'm glad that he is. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing, you know, perhaps more of that. And, you know, I, I, I think initially what I thought the bad batch would be, would be them kind of going out, saving their former brothers and kind of, you know, helping a bunch of clones come back, which I think they're, they're maybe, still doing that and like obviously rex that sounds like echoes doing that with him now um but uh i feel like the rest of them will slowly kind of get pulled into that maybe we'll get a reunion with like you know uh cody and and everybody so uh so I, i was very very happy to see that and I like kind of the slow burn that they're doing with that like even with crosshair mm-hmm. like taking their time that it wasn't just one episode where he's like, Oh, I'm right. Uh, I'm wrong. You know, it's like, you know, like, like he's had a few episodes now to realize, you know, they're just dismissing us and they don't care about us and we're, we're just expendable to them. And, you know, and right. And uh, so I, I f- it feels really earned. Like, you know, I'm ho- I'm hoping he'll come back. I'm pretty sure he's going to come back or that they'll yeah. save him. It's, it's really interesting because when the rise of Skywalker was coming out, I was so torn because I was like, Kylo Ren pretty much has taken these three movies and he's going to REI and he's getting the biggest backpack he can find. And he's carrying the franchise on his back right now. (laughs) And uh, so I was like, but I know how star Wars works and I know over overarching, it's the story of good versus evil. And this guy being that prodigal style guy, like thought he wanted this over here. And then, you know, very much betrayed by his own, emotions we've never seen a character drawn to the light but choosing the dark because he thinks it's the the best the only way he can go and in a movie 
at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, I was like, okay, we got about two and a half hours. They were saying they were maybe doing a three-hour movie because Endgame had just came out, and I was so mad that they didn't do it because I was like, three-hour Star Wars, bring it on. Yeah. Um, but in a way, it's the the silver screen is always going to be the pinnacle of if you get to be cast in Star Wars, the silver screen is the pinnacle of you know. Yeah, the, the movie is the number one canon, and under right. that's the TV shows, and then the books, and then the comics, and so on. Um, Alex from Star Wars Explained explain kind of breaks that down really well. Um, so, but the the better thing about shows is you get to take your time. Yes. I would have loved a TV show or a book, you know. And we've talked about this before, where my first ex- experience getting to listen to you was I'm a huge Boba Fett fan. So I skipped Bloodlines in the Legacy of the Force series and was like, I don't know who this guy is over here. Talked about Jason Solo. And I was oh, like, yeah. but this book has Boba Fett in it. So I'm going to read oh, this okay. one. Right, uh, right. So that was my that was my first uh, audiobook experience uh, with Star Wars, which is cool because that's you. Um, but in books, you get to see Jason's fall to the darks over the like 19 book. Yeah. New Republic, New Jedi Order stuff. Then the Legacy of the Force. And... I would have loved to have a longer t- exposure to Kylo slash Ben coming back to the light. And right. some people complained about it being such a fast pace. And is JJ trying to push in as much of his content after eight and all this other, other stuff, yeah. you know, trying to answer questions and all these other things where in the bad batch, it's like, it's taking so long that it's like, I think Crosshair is going to come back, but is it too late? And you're yeah. kind of, you know, you know, moving. F- I don't want to get too far ahead because there's some great episodes in between here. But Entombed was probably the Entombed and uh, the one that we just watched. Uh, was it Pabu? Um, those two yep. were the ones that felt the most like standalone, like yep. character buildings type stuff. Um, Entombed felt like I was watching uh, Indiana Jones and The Hobbit have a child. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a great description. Just like crazy <laughs> tech, but it's like the Minds of Moria kind of feel. Yeah. Um, Tribe was Which, awesome. Quick, one of the things I do love about what they're doing is it, it does feel like each episode is almost like they're playing with genre a little bit. Like there's some episodes that felt like a horror movie. Absolutely. There's other episodes that felt like Tomb Raider type thing or Indiana Jones. And like, so it's like, and that that brings a freshness to it or like so that it's not the dirty dozen every week you know like it, it's yeah it's really smart of them to do yeah because like entombed i was like i love indiana jones like the other night we were at target um getting some clothes for the boys and uh i was like you know typical star wars fan or toy collector or whatever like when we go to the toy section it's mainly for me <laughs> yeah 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 so i told my wife i was like hey a couple of these indiana jones lego sets have been coming out early i just want to see if maybe like right if they're, they're probably not there i just want to see uh yeah. so like i'm a big indiana jones fan i collected like the legos me and my brother grew up playing the lego uh xbox game for indiana jones and all that kind of cool stuff um of course the harrison ford crossover so in tune felt just like an indie film um and it was, but there's also some good moral stuff in there where it's like, okay, you pull out the the key of this mountain. Uh, are you willing to put that back in and sacrifice wealth yes. for the greater good of the people around you? You know, and I think um, I can't recall uh, the character's name off the top of my head, but Wanda Sykes' character, this new uh, kind of the replacement of because they've they've parted ways with Sid 
a little bit down the way yeah. in the season, um, yeah. which I think is going to end up being uh, it's it's good because they needed to do that, but it's going to cost them. I feel like mm. like she's what have you done for me lately kind of thing, and I think yeah. that I'll protect you as long as it's making me money. And I think they are showing that we can trust Wanda's character over what Sid would have done. Sid would have just taken the the treasure and hawked it, you yeah. know, because after all, yeah, she is yeah, a yeah. Trandoshan. You know what I mean? So it's right, like, right. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, you having, you know, worked with Skier, like uh, in the comics and stuff, they break into like, he's a Jedi, but him specifically, he's dealing with this syndrome that like reverts him back to this like aggressive reptile, Yeah, uh, yeah which yeah. is a cool concept. Um, and then speaking of Trandoshans, episode six, we go to Kashyyyk. It's the first time we've been to Kashyyyk in forever. So That's that cool. was a huge plus. Um, what did you think about, I guess, the highlight for that episode for me, obviously, is seeing the Wookiees and the Trandoshans. But I loved how Wrecker was, like, right at home with the Wookiees. I thought yeah, that was yeah, so yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, and then do you do you watch with or without closed captions on? I watch without, but I probably should watch with it with. So I watch with only for like, I'm always making content for the channel of like, did you catch this? Did you see this? And so you start to see some of those Easter eggs. Um, And it was funny because if you go back and watch it with the captions on, there's a moment where a wrecker and a Wookiee jump down onto the tank. And it says wrecker imitates Wookiee noise. And if you listen (laughs) for it, Wrecker's like, roll and jumps down yeah, onto awesome. the tank, uh, which I know me and you agree, like Wrecker's our favorite of the Bad Batch. Um, yeah, so that yeah, was yeah. really cool. <laughs> um, not a filler, but a little bit of like a side quest, if you will. Um, and then the two-part mid-series or mid-season uh, with the Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequence yeah. uh, was so fantastic, focusing mm-hmm. on what are we doing with the clone troopers? Cause this is a question we've all had that we've never gotten an answer in Canon up until right. just now. So what was your take on that? And did you see it working out the way it worked out or did, did that surprise you at the end? No, it, it surprised me. Like I, I, uh, I, I loved seeing Palpatine come in and I love the idea that like, you know, you feel like there's the, there's that moment where it's like, oh, wow, they did it. They're convincing the Senate and they're going <laughs> to, you know, and then like he comes out and it's yeah, like, dude. nope, this is what I was planning all along. This is a, you played right into my hand. <laughs> and it's like, it was a, it's so like, brilliant, it so much sense, but it still caught me off guard. Like, I don't, I didn't, I love that. Like, cause it, yeah. cause it, it it's totally what he would do, but mm-hmm. I was not expecting it and didn't, you know. Yeah. So it was, I, it was I was, I was watching and you, you know, eventually something has to happen with the clones and in legends um, you got your answer from playing battlefront two, where it was like the, it was weird because the clones in Canon now they've got their own moral compass. The chip seems to either be wearing off or like, you know, they can navigate around it. It feels like after issuing order 66, there's a moment of clarity that's starting to happen across the galaxy for these clone troopers where they're like, we have a choice. We don't have to do these things. Right. In legends, it's not the case because they're that robotic zombie. Like it's almost yes. kind of like whenever you see, whenever you see a movie where someone's like, you know, had their secret code activated by the Russians from the cold war or whatever. And they're just like, right. You know, right. It's not yeah, like yeah. that anymore. So in legends, Boba Fett, travels to Camino to like take out the Kaminoans and take out the DNA and all this other stuff in the battlefront video game. 
in canon, we always were like, what's going to happen? And it's funny because you know something has to happen where the clones get decommissioned. But as fans, and I'm sure you're the same way, you're like, if you pause, you're like, okay, well, this can't work out because they've, the clones have got to go. But when you're watching it, you're like, they're going to pull this off. Holy crap. Yeah. Omega's Omega's on the Senate floor. Holy crap. She's going to give this right, information right. to Bail Organa. And then we were at Cracker Barrel outside playing checkers and Palpatine comes up out of the floor and he's been playing 4D chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, so uh, it was so it was so fantastic. And I was like, you son of a gun. You did it again, dude. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It, it was like, and you know, once he comes out of the floor, you realize, holy crap, he's probably let this happen. He's probably right. let it get to this place so that he has the card to pull. We can't trust the clone troopers any longer, yeah. you know? Well, see, and, I, uh, I, I got suckered, though, because I, I was expecting him to, like, dissolve the Senate at that point. But then I remembered, oh, wait, the Senate doesn't get dissolved until, you know, episode four. But, like, there was a part of me that was like, oh, this is the moment. Like, this I thought the like, same thing. Yeah, I thought yeah, the same so. thing. I was like... Maybe he'll start dissolving it now, but it's right, such a right. bureaucratic process. Maybe it takes 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even in the U.S., it's like, okay, cool. Here's a new bill. Psych, it's going to take 17 more years to make this happen, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 So I was like, holy crap, this is the moment. Um, right. And then having Ian McDermott come back and be the voice. So good. As soon as I heard it, I was like, that's not a freaking voice actor. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's that the emperor. The emperor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was really fun seeing Chuchi again. That was a great tie into those early episodes of the Clone Wars with the towels yep. and all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, the crossing was a little bit of a side trip. Um, where the and then retrieval is kind of the same thing. Um, moving ahead because I want to be conscious of our time. Um, like you said, talking about the different genres they're diving into. Um, metamorphosis was a chop off the old alien block right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Like the baby Zillow looked like a freaking oh, alien. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, is the Zillow beast a face hugger? Like I, yeah, that was yeah. so crazy. Um, this, the ship of course being shot down or closed down and there's nobody inside and the commandos, all that stuff was great. Um, I, I am very excited to see kind of what the plan is for the Zillow Beast, because we always wondered that from the Clone Wars, like, right. what's the point? Um, and I'm wondering, like, he was pretty much impervious to almost anything, like, including lightsabers in the Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah. So I wonder, um, I wonder how what that's going to end up being, if that's something that they use down the road. Um, and of course they take him to Tantus, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of that yeah, episode, so. yeah. um, which Tantus kind of ties us into probably one of my favorite episodes of animation of all time, which is episode 12 of the season, the outpost. Um, we check in with crosshair, dude, you were oh, saying yeah. there's that, those like more mature, more decision conscious. Here's the, here's the cause way back here at the beginning of season one of him leaving and wow. then here's some of these effects happening you know years later right so this this is my favorite episode of the season so far i think just how much not only development happens but how much questions i have what's going forward um what did you think i've been seeing stuff all over the internet like uh lieutenant nolan is the worst star wars character ever yeah i mean like oh like it, it is like 
it's so weird to me that like Bad Batch and Andor have these things in common where they're they're both making the Empire like look so evil and like mm-hmm. real, like like you know just because of how cold hearted and you know dismissive and of of the troops they are and and just right. you know um and and just kind of like you see how evil bureaucracy can be and how evil like you know yeah like systems can be when they when they kind of are just about the system and not about the the person you know and and so like and that episode was so again just like cinematic and beautiful and like and like just heartbreaking you know and just like and it is weird that you you know because that after everything that crosshair has done and how much he's betrayed his brothers you you wouldn't think you'd be rooting for him but like you right like at the end you're like that's right crosshair <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> yeah you take care of business <laughs> you know yeah, it's it's crazy because um george going into star wars all those years ago was telling a story which is that's his master class like how do you tell a story you know yeah. and, and him looking at some of those you know uh the the hero's journey and some of those things that he took from and it's crazy because uh but he also had some things to say about just human morality and um you know at the time you know past oppressive governments and the nazi regime and all those kinds of things you know and so obviously you know for those history buffs out there like hitler called the third Reich, like those, the, the ground foot soldiers, he called stormtroopers. So when yeah. George named the stormtroopers, he was directly mentioning the Nazi regime, you know, and here right. is this blind group of people that you don't ever see because they're behind a mask. And it's the mask is, you know, metaphor for the ideology that these people are just, you know, the, the, the Nazi soldiers were just inundated with this, this concept. And then, so you put the mask on them in 77 and, so the outpost felt so much like getting back to some of those roots all these years yeah. later. Yeah. And so you have the new troopers who have no regard. You have these disenfranchised clones who all they know is battle and all they know is war. And it's like, we live to win the war, but at the same time, now the war's over, what do we do? And you start the episode off and right off the bat, they're like, thank you for your service. And any questions you can, you can, get in the line for the group chat, essentially, you know, and be on hold, you know? And so um, I didn't realize how comfortable and how relational we had gotten with the clones until this season of the Bad Batch, we're not allowed to use their names and having your helmet off waiting outside of the plane. Like to me, I was like, oh, there's Crosshair and he's not on mission yet. So he's got his helmet off. And Lieutenant Nolan walks up and is like CT, whatever his code is, you know, 2994 or whatever. You're out of, you're out of uniform. And he puts the helmet on. And then there's a couple of clone troopers going on, going on the trip. And right there in front of Crosshair, who he knows is a clone trooper, he out loud says, oh, more clones. I don't like used equipment. And it's, it's not lost on me that the TK troopers have a very Nazi-esque helmet. Right. Like if you look at that little fin yeah, that yeah, comes yeah. down, looks yeah. just like a Nazi helmet. And I don't know if this is happenstance, but Nolan being a guy with blonde hair and blue eyes with no visor yeah. and having a very Nazi uh, helmet, 
I was like, dude, this is straight out of like, this is World War II stuff right here, man. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it felt very like, and of course, Dave Filoni has like George's DNA, like in his brain. So it's like, right. it, I felt like I was watching something George directed watching this episode. Um, yeah. And the plot twist that Mayday and his men have been starving to death, no equipment, no nothing. And they're protecting gear for their replacements. Oh. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was so heartbreaking because it was like, hey, man, we're out of Band-Aids. My buddy over here is, like, bleeding out. You know, we right. have no medical right, stuff. Right. Um, when Crosshair steps on the mine and he's like, I don't have any equipment for this, but I've learned to improvise because I've been waiting on all this stuff. And it's right there next to them. that They're protecting yep. with their lives. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We don't have time for a funeral for your two last friends that are here after the rest of your platoon died. You right. know? At the end of the story, you should have just stayed out there in the snow and just froze to death because we're not helping you. Yeah. Uh, and then Crosshair, of course, kills Nolan at the end of the episode. And that's the moment you were like, heck yeah, Crosshair, you do that, bro. That's like, right. <laughs> I, I literally, I was like, and he ends up collapsing because he's obviously weak and he's probably dealing with all kinds of internal like breathing issues and stuff like that, having been in the cold and everything. But I was like, is he going to take out this whole group right here? Like for a second, I was like, is he yeah. about to just go off? Um, and then, uh, Pabu, I'll kind of let's, uh, I'll let that one go just cause I want to ask you a question. Then we'll move on to Mando cause we want to make sure we're conscious of time. But sure. at the end of the outpost, Crosshair wakes up and he's in the laboratory and you're kind of led to believe we're on Tantus because you have the, uh, you have the cloning facility glasses, the patch right. from the Kaminoan cloning group. Um, and the, the, it's weird because the lady also has a Kiwi accent, like what yeah, Omega oh, yeah. and the clones have. So yeah, I was yeah. wondering, like, is this just something that's on Camino, or is this because she's been around the clones her whole life or whatever? Um, mm. So here's my thought, and I don't think that I don't think that you know. Um, and if you do know, you can play. You can play. Like you don't know because I'm not trying to get you in trouble or anything. I'm just yeah. I'm just throwing out hypotheticals there because that's my favorite thing. Too, um, yeah. But crosshair um back in legends clones that were being reused were the dark trooper phase zero before they were droids and things like that Ooh. um and then you also have the death troopers which we know were anatomically altered to uh so because like whenever you first think about it you're like oh all the death troopers are six five plus but in some of the thrawn novels that you narrated they talk about right you know, some changes being made. Yes. So here's my thought. One of the two things I'm leaning towards death trooper because dark trooper is a little bit of a far future thing. Right. Um, I think crosshair and it's going to be sad because I think we're finally, he's going to start having those realizations. He's going to try to get out. We're talking about heavy hitting the darker side of bad batch being a little bit more advanced in age. My thought is crosshair is going to have that revelation and he's going to realize it's, I need to get out of here. It's not what I thought it was going to be. Right. And, but I honestly think, dude, I think it's going to be too late. And I think that he's going to be that death trooper or that dark trooper phase one, one of the two. Wow. And that's going to be the well, heartbreak. Right, didn't they, did they say in, when did they establish that, that they, that they, before they were, did Gideon say something about now? It's it was, just it was Gideon or Pershing. One of the two, what, was talking about what? the dark trooper and they said the hu the human inside was the last weakness that's they're right not, that's right oh dude good now. theory so my theory is oh huh. 
if dark trooper, if and it could be, what if they're one and the same? If death troopers are something that's been advanced or anatomically altered, and but that wasn't good enough, so now instead of death troopers, we're moving on to dark troopers. Oh wow! You know what I mean? Death troopers yeah, is something that's only been in canon that was never in legends, besides the novel about the zombie, all that stuff, right? With Joe Schreiber. Death Troopers were brought into canon in Rogue One. Dark Troopers have been around since the Kyle Katarn stuff back in the day. Wow. And they were brought back in Mando. But I think it's Pershing or Gideon. One of them says in Mando Season 2, right. yeah. the human inside was the last weakness. Oh. So I wonder if Crosshair is like the prototype for the Death Trooper, which will in the long run... And, it's in, and how much work wow. are they doing right now to bridge the prequels the original trilogy, the sequels, everything together. Oh yeah. And to me, it's no coincidence that the bad batch and Mandalorian are airing at the same time. And maybe it's this overarching thing. Cause Tantus eventually I assume is where some of this dark science is going to lead to characters like Snoke and essence transfer and stuff like that way down the road. Yeah. It's gotta be like, I'm in it definitely. I mean, I don't know if you want to go in order or not, but like this past episode of Mando, I was definitely feeling that. Like, I felt like oh, we yeah. are building to something big. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, and that's a perfect transition it. into Mando Season 3, because I know we're trying to hit both before we're we're done. But yeah, yeah. this last one, I've got a buddy at work, and he'll come up to me, and he's very, like, um, he loves Mando because it's fast-paced, and he's all about the action. And some of the slower burn stuff, he'll come to me and be like, what was that about? Because uh, <laughs> after seeing Episode 2 on the Minds of Mandalore, it was like, well, this was a different pace and i said hear me out i was like they bookend it with mando so we know what's going on with him they're laying groundwork like crazy right now for something yeah and we know that in favreau and feloni have all said we're not trying to uh you know we're not trying to force feed you sequel stuff because we know that some that's a little of a sore subject for some folks but wouldn't you want clarity on how some of these things take place, you know? Oh yeah. For me, when they were like Palpatine returned, I was like, all right, cool. Let's get to work. I didn't care. Like to me, okay. the fact that he returns in a sentence, I don't, I don't mind. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but I, I also read books and comics and stuff. So I'm yeah. getting some of that extra material. Um, so I think that Tantus is going to have something to do with the first order in the long run. I agree. Um, and I also think it's very highly unlikely that they bring in something like Tantus and reveal that it is Tantus without it having something to do with the future, whether it's maybe some of that cloning technology gets moved to Exegol or whatever. Um, but it has to have something to do with what's going to happen with Ron and Ahsoka because the right. Heir to the Empire trilogy is where Tantus comes from. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, so Mando so far, episode one is really a reestablishing. He's got to get to the minds of Mandalore. Um, episode two is really where it starts picking up like crazy. Um, walk me through minds of Mandalore. And what was your response being a huge, you have a mythosaur tattoo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so you must've been like, hang on a second. What the heck is going on? Like, what were, yeah. what were your thoughts, man? Like, we're on Mandalorian live action. It's beautiful. It looks just like the Clone Wars. Right, right, right. Oh, my yeah, goodness. No, I, was, I, I was blown away. And I think, I, I can't remember if it was episode one or two, but, like, I also, like, my first freak out of the season was when Grogu was looking in hyperspace and we see the, the, the shadows of, of 
the purgle and i was like no yes. <laughs> and i was like and i was like is that the purgle <laughs> so like i'm super i i'm i'm again like they're really setting the table and taking their time and you know but i it's got to be thrown in ezra like they come on like that has to be where right going with that um especially with ahsoka coming and it's basically rebels you know yeah sequel, so, you know. I, I was telling i was telling a friend of mine i was like ahsoka is the name of the show but i would not be surprised at all if like we're just thrown right into a live action version of Thrawn and Ezra being sucked into space with the Purgle at the end of Rebels. And even right. if that, even if they just show that for like 30 seconds and then cut, and then it's the title of Ahsoka, and then we catch up with where Ahsoka's going. And even yeah. if that's just, we see Thrawn and Ezra, and that's all we see of them for the first several episodes, I can totally see a world where that's the case. And I, the right. Purgle was an amazing nod to Rebels and some of those fans that had seen the animation. Yeah. Um, and it's that oh. shadow, man. Us, us being the chist ascendancy, it's just that shadow yeah, yeah, of yeah. Thrawn, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So exciting. Literal foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what, so was, what do you think about that? Do you think that, uh, do you think we'll see Thrawn at all in Mando, or do you think they're saving him strictly for Ahsoka? I think it makes more sense for him to be in Ahsoka. Right. Um, yeah, I think so. But but then seeing the Purgle in Mando was interesting because, like, why do that there? But I, I mean, unless it's like they're going to cross over or something, which would be awesome as well. So, right. So, in the man minds of Mandalore, at the end, the main thing is the planet's not poisoned. Yeah. The curse is, is, uh, either it wasn't real or it's been lifted, it's been long enough, you know. They can right. go back. They can rehabitate. They can relocate to Mandalore, which obviously is a big deal. Yeah. Um, he gets to the living waters. And then, of course, the big thing at the end of the episode is he walks in. And you can tell that it's been kind of like a bathing pool where it's like deep enough to walk in, but not deep. Yeah. And and you can tell that's the case because Bo-Katan doesn't warn him, hey, you're wearing Beskar. Be careful. You're right, right, see. right. <laughs> she just expects him to walk in. He's reciting the creed. It's a very cool thing. And then he drops like yeah. a stone. And so, yeah. and you find out in the most recent episode that maybe some seismic activity during the bombings opened up this deeper chasm. Right. And so when Bo goes in to save him on her way back up, I never thought we were going to see it in freaking live action. I, I, I threw a freaking wild card out there before Mando season two. And I was like, if he has to go to Tatooine, it would be cool if there was a crate dragon, just hypothetically. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and it shows up and I was like, am I writing this show? And yeah, so yeah. <laughs> the mythosaur coming back was wild. So um, cool. And and then we find out in episode three, um, a lot of it focuses on Pershing and we're establishing what's going to happen. The Imperial Remnant, the, the lingering shadow of the Empire that's going to turn into the First Order. Um, yeah. But what did you think about the fact that Bo's the only one that saw it? Yeah. Din Djarin didn't see it. And she doesn't say a dadgum thing about it. That was really interesting. Because, like, I feel like um, what I'm kind of loving this season is I thought going into this season, it's like, okay, the entire eight-episode arc will be about him getting to Mandalore, finally getting <clears throat> redeemed. And by the end of season three, he will be redeemed. But right, they're getting it out of the way. Episode two, like he's redeemed, he's done. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so the now board is wide open. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm totally like, where's the story going? Like, what's going to happen? And I, 
I love that, you know, it, it could end up being a showdown between Bo and Din and like, you know, uh, like she's like the fact that she's, it'd be one thing if she enlisted his help and like, you know, you're the rightful heir of Mandalore or whatever, but there's, there's that, the fact that she's keeping it a secret to me is maybe foreshadowing that, um, you know, that she's going to have some lessons to learn or that maybe she's not worthy of that role yet, because if she's, it, it seems like it's more about power for her or having mm-hmm. that title mm-hmm. than about, you know, the noble aspirations of restoring the Mandalorian people, you know? So like, but maybe she'll learn that now that she's, part of the way or you know how long yeah. she'll keep it on we'll see you know but like yeah a lot of uh, t-shirts and promos and all kind of stuff across the globe before Mando season three came out had din the armor bogatan and paz Vizla all kind of side by side um right. and then a weird thing was uh not to get off track but um a, a, an, an official star wars account but from overseas i can't remember exactly where um, posted a poster or a t-shirt or something um, when it was like uh, he'll be joined on his quest by fan favorites like the armor Bo-Katan and even the legend Boba Fett himself and then oh. Disney contacted them and were like take that down take that down right now yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I don't know where he fits into all of this um, because he doesn't care about anything having to do with what's going on with them. Right. Um, yeah. Of course, uh, you talk about you have the Mythosaur tattoo. I've got a cl- I've got this hoodie on right now, but I've got a Cloud City Boba Fett Lego oh, <laughs> tattoo nice. oh, with like, the awesome. knee plates and everything. So I, I, that's my favorite character. So oh, cool. I am a hardcore anti-Bo-Katan because oh. of the lip that she gives Boba. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, uh, yeah. she was so disrespectful of the clones in general. She was like, yeah, I've seen your, I've heard your voice a thousand times. And I was like, right, excuse right, right. me, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's my thought. My thought is she doesn't have the dark saber. She wants the dark saber when it was given to her, things went to crap because they right. uprooted the tradition of having to win the saber. Um, yeah. So, and I don't think she, I don't believe that in hand-to-hand combat, if Darksaber is a side or whatever, and they hand-to-hand it, I just don't think she can beat Din one-on-one. I think she's a very capable fighter, but even if either she can't or she doesn't want to, like she hasn't challenged him for it, I guess is the point I'm making. Well, and except so, if she can, like, she's more proficient with the Darksaber than he is at this absolutely. point. So absolutely. So if she can somehow get it out of his hands, then it's game over. <laughs> yeah, because it's still very heavy to him. It's still got yeah, that yeah. weird, like, Thor thing where he doesn't feel like he's worthy yet kind of thing. Right, right, right. Um, my thought is she doesn't want to have to fight the guy because she really does. I do think in her heart of hearts, she wants to rule, but she also legitimately doesn't want to see Mandalorians fighting and killing one another. Yes, I would agree with that, yeah. So I think she's holding the Mythosaur Ace up her sleeve because I think she's thinking if somehow I can get back there and tame and ride this beast, that trumps the dark saber. Okay. I, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. in book of Boba Fett, I was a little salty that we spent a whole couple of episodes focusing on everybody, but Boba, but I'll yeah, over yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the armor says the songs of old tell of the mythosaur rising again to unite the Mandalorians. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I firmly believe 
the mythosaur has been a part of their history for forever. The dark saber is something younger than that with, right. with, you know, uh, with, you know, Vizsla and the Jedi yeah. order and all that stuff. So, you know, the mythosaur has been a part of that since Mandalore, the first Mandalore, the great. And, uh, so is that a thing where I think Bo's keeping that and she's like, okay, I'm going to play by the rules on This is the way all that good stuff. Cause she's never said it before. She never wanted to say it. She never, she, she thinks it's it a cult. She says it at the very end of, uh, the armor is like, well then by decree you're redeemed. This is the way. And Bo-Katan right, right. says, this is the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't think it's genuine, man. I think that she's, I know. she's keeping her cards close to her chest until she can figure out how to get the mythosaur. Yeah, which which then makes me wonder if there will be a confrontation or if it's just going to be like, I know I should have said something earlier, but, you know, because it because then it it feels manipulative to me. It feels like, yeah. you know, underhanded and that I feel like there will be a cost for that if, if that's yeah. how she chooses to take the It just feels like that. she's never learned her lesson because we don't know we don't know as much about her backstory as we could, but we know from a young age she sided with the Death Watch when her sister was trying to bring Mandalore out of the era of war is the only way to get along. Yeah. She sided with Death Watch. She was responsible for bringing Maul and Savage into the fold along with Pre Vizsla. Right. Then when Maul challenges Pre Vizsla and obviously is going to win in a hand-to-hand combat, she leaves because she's, well, an outsider can't rule Mandalore. So, yeah. and it's in ir- like, indirectly when Maul then because Visla and all of them had taken Satine hostage, she's indirectly responsible for the death of her sister. And yep. she's directly responsible for the night of a thousand tears whenever the the clans were split up, but she decided to take on the Empire holding the Darksaber anyway. Yeah. And I just feel like she's always seeking for this redemption, but she's only seeking it like, what can I do by myself to make it work? And I think the mythosaur is that last play to yeah. try to rule and redeem herself. And I just don't think it's going to work out. And I'm really curious to see where this is going to go. Um, Cause just when we thought we're really going to focus on Mandalore this season, yesterday we spent an hour with Pershing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And they turn <laughs> up the mind flayer. And is it like on the light? I was talking to my buddy on Instagram, uh, skeleton astronauts, amazing toy photographer does a lot of stuff with Hasbro and entertainment earth and all them. Um, and I was saying, when you're in a shower and you turn it on cold, like it's got health benefits, it's got like cold shower, ice ice bath, all of those cold plunge type things. It's got a, it has a p- positive effect on your body. And if you turn the shower hot, that's what we're used to, but it doesn't really have any positive effects. And mm. I was wondering, like, you know, the Mon Calamari was like, you're going to see some beautiful colors and it's going to be a very pleasant experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then when you know, the double agent that works with Gideon turns it all the way up to 10. I don't think it's meant to kill Pershing. Uh, Of course Mm. we'll see, but I think it's meant to enhance his negative feelings and emotions and memories and Mm. to negate that goodwill that he was legitimately showing. So my thought is they don't want to get rid of him. He's too smart. He's too much of an asset. He's too close to a breakthrough by his own accord. I wonder if turning that up, has the opposite effect of, you know, sometimes you go to counseling and whatever type of, you know, maneuverings or, or 
knowledge they want to use that helps you be like, okay, I can get past this past trauma. There right. is life out there. I can be a better human or father or spouse or whatever. Imagine going to a counselor and they're like, remember all those negative things and like harping on those. It's kind of, That's kind of what the mind flayer seems like to me is like you go in there and she's turning it up and it's enhancing the negative side of things. Um, I wonder if the idea is to turn him dark and to basically remove his goodwill versus remove his negative energy and feelings and things. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure what the, like if, if it was like a memory eraser and maybe it's like erasing that what he did or, you know, or, or, or maybe it's that what you're saying, like kind of the, you know um, I wasn't sure what that, like it was, and it was weird to see the Republic doing it. Like it was like, and I, and I think yeah. that was part of the message of the episode is that um, the Republic has some of some of the same tendencies that the Empire did, where they mm-hmm. even when they're naming the uh, what's what's the name of the squad? The, the oh, re- like the rehabilitation group, or yeah. Whatever. Like they, they all have numbers, kind of like the way they dehumanize the clones. They give them. Yeah, a I number. thought that. I thought that as well. Yeah, and then and then they. Um, and I think, you know, like it, it uh, I think, I think I was rewatching Mando before this season and Kara says something about a mind flare that the empire uses the mind flare. Mm-hmm. So then it was weird that the Republic uses the mind flare. It's like, so I think it's like a, I think they're definitely making some commentaries about, you know, yeah. power in general and just how, you know, power can corrupt and, and or, or that, you know, you can, even this idea of thinking you're doing the right thing, but actually maybe you're not. And, and you, you have to yeah. really be careful, even if you have good intentions that you're not doing something wrong, you know? So, yeah, you have to be, I think um, you have to be very intentional and like take your time reestablishing order in the galaxy, because when you rush to establish something, especially order or peace or whatever, you don't want to, it's kind of like, we're going to see this in Andor, I'm sure. But like, you know, the very beginning of Rogue One where Cassian just kills that guy because he can't have him letting the information get through his fingers. Yeah. I was like, what the heck is going on? What's uh, going me on? too. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. was like, you know, you know, I- I've killed people with these hands, you know? Like, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think uh, it was interesting because Pershing's like, this is a mind flayer. And the Mon Cal's like, it's a similar device, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was playing it off like, is this a timeshare meeting? And he was like, right, right, right. It's, it's not a timeshare. Like, I thought it was very interesting. Um, and I think you're right on the money there. I think it's, we're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. We want to bring peace. We want to bring balance. We want to bring the order that the empire said they were establishing while having an empire. Um, but it's weird too, because if, in, in the book uh, Star Wars Bloodlines, uh, I want to say it's by Claudia Gray, um, Mon Mothma disbands the New Republic military. And I remember reading that and being mm. like, that's stupid. Why would you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, there's got to be a balance there. And right now yeah. we're seeing the New Republic kind of more on the Imperial side. And maybe it's because everybody in, you know, doesn't know what else to do for the last 25 years or whatever. Right. Um, but you also can't just be in the military because that's how you get in trouble with the first order and there's nobody to protect Hosnian prime and all these other things. So yep. it's a very interesting thing. And I can't help, but feel like the bad batch stuff with Tantus and the Zillow beast and crosshair somehow ties into the beginnings of the first order. And we, in this episode of the Mandalorian is the furthest we've gone in that direction 
Yeah. Because Mando's not even there. I remember in the episode where Mando and them break into uh, the the Imperial facility um, on the other side of Navarro, and you see that thing in the vat, and you're like, holy crap, that looks like Snoke. I remember seeing that, but Mando's there, and they're like, I don't know what that thing is, but we got to figure out how to get whatever we need for Grogu and this and this and this. Yeah, This yeah. is the first time we've detached. It felt like Book of Boba in a sense of we had Mando here, we had Mando here. In the middle, we completely detached from anyone yeah. having to do with him other than Pershing was working with Gideon. Right. And we're establishing a groundwork for a whole something else. Yeah. Um, and I know since Rangers of the New Republic isn't going to be a show any longer, I wonder if they're going to take some of the heavier more mm. necessary elements and going to put that into Mando because this right. is season three. We're only three episodes into eight and Favreau's already written four and he said he wants at least five. So yeah. we've got 20 more episodes to go to establish where this is going to go. And that's if they finish yeah. it with five, you know what I right, mean? Right. So I don't know. It's a very interesting, everything's very intertwined, which I yeah. enjoy because one of the it's biggest it. complaints of people in the past was there's so much star Wars content in legends and EU and they contradict each other and yeah. but now man they do i don't know how they do it but they've got a, a poster board or a whiteboard out there somewhere with the mm -hmm. comics and the books and the, the myriad of yeah, shows yeah, yeah. and movies and stuff so no it's so uh, fun because like when i first saw cop vanth that's a payoff from the aftermath books 100 percent. and then and then in in this last episode of mando when they go to see the mountain like that mountain is mentioned in one of the uh, High Republic books, like that that they, yeah. they have this part that that's still peeking out from Coruscant, and they, and I was like, oh, that's it, you know. So there's it's it's small things, but it, it yeah. does help. It to does me, feel. it's got to be it's it's as a reader, I'm like, oh, that's so rewarding for me because I got to I knew that already. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah totally. I yeah. imagine for you, it's it's tenfold because you're like, I've read that before. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, so. Uh, okay, so before before we let you go, we've got you know uh, a couple of seconds here. Um, if folks want to follow you and keep up with everything you're working with, where can they find you on the different social platforms and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, uh, so I'm I'm Mark Thompson at Facebook, just M A R C, and then on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Captain Ehud. Uh, Perfect. So those would be the best places. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, any anything. Um, I don't want to like give any spoilers or anything like that, but um, what is there any projects you're working on right now that you can talk about that you're excited about, or is that all kind of behind the curtain until stuff's announced and how does that work? Uh, it's I, um, I, I've been telling people because it's on Amazon. So I'm assuming if it's on Amazon, it's not a secret, but okay. I, I, uh, <laughs> I narrated the next um, high Republic book uh, cataclysm. Okay. Uh, and that, okay. that should be coming out in a few months and it's uh it, it was, I really enjoyed it. Like it, it's, I, I probably shouldn't get in too much detail why, but like uh, there, there's some really awesome things that happen in that book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, uh, absolutely. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. So last thing before we go, you've, you've narrated and been a part of so many eras of Star Wars. Um, how does the High Republic stack up with, I mean, we, I could have talked to you about the High Republic this entire time. Um, I'm a huge fan. I love seeing mm -hmm. the golden era of the Jedi. I'm excited to see how it ties into the Acolyte when that finally comes out. Mm -hmm. um, what, you know, how does it feel different to you? And what is your favorite aspect of being a part of that era? My, I, I love the variety of Jedi. I love the different styles. It seems like, you know, I, I, I'm sure that you see whenever they come across your feed, all the different shorts and stuff that we make for the podcast. And 
um, the, the the view of the Jedi seems to get narrower and narrower over time. And we start to really mm. see that with the Dooku Tales of the Jedi episodes. Right. But this is an era where it's like, you know, um, different people see the force differently and how they interact with the force is different. So yeah. what's what's been your favorite part of being a part of that so far? It, it, it's what you just said. It's like the 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 different views of the force and different perspectives on the force, because that that was something I had not really considered before like they're in the in the first audiobooks i did the legacy of the four series and the fate of the Mm -hmm. jedi they they dabbled in that a little Mm -hmm. but it felt more fringy like it felt more like you know there's these you know dissidents that have these other views of the force and that they're kind of like really out there you know but i feel like the high republic era is is really showing you that there's there's all these different ways to perceive and interact with the force and and even amongst the jedi like even within this one particular doctrine and it and it's acceptable that's the cool thing to me is it's not just like you know coming from like a faith background whatever let's say you're you have a you know different styles of churches and it's like we all agree on the main things but there's some things out there that necessarily aren't really perceived the same way whether it's you know uh, different styles of, of, of Christian churches or whatever. Um, and it kind of always felt that way with the force, you know what I mean? And this is like, Hey, if, if she sees it as a song and that's how she connects, then that's great. And if this person sees it almost kind of like, uh, avatar, the last airbender, if it's like, if you have a more earthy type person that needs to be in nature to feel grounded and in tune with the force, that's a part of the force. If there's someone that, you know, um, I mean, I can't remember her name. Uh, the main chick that's on the, the light of the Jedi cover. Oh, She's, Avar. Avar Chris feels it like a song. Yeah. yeah. And then some of the other characters, you know, and, and, uh, I just think that's so cool. And I, I, love I can't help. And then the, the freaking, the Wayseeker concept, I was like, yeah, where was, yeah. Where yeah, was yeah. this? <laughs> where right, was, right, we right. could have saved the galaxy if Dooku <laughs> could have been a way seeker instead of becoming yeah. bitter when he wasn't on the council. Yeah, yeah because yeah. his heart was still there, and yeah. Anakin would have been an amazing way seeker, and Qui Gon Jinn was a way seeker. Yeah. You know, kind of without them wanting him to be. You know, and so yeah, uh, I remember listening and reading the Fate of the Jedi and being like, "This is kind of hard to understand." Mm-hmm. With like the dark pool they have to go to and there's this Why? dark man yeah, on the yeah. throne, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's like some crazy nostalgia for you. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I was like, uh, me being a legacy fan, I was like, Oh my God, Luke Skywalker has to, to team up with Darth crate to, to defeat Abeloth. This isn't going to yeah, turn yeah, out yeah. well in the far future, which of course it didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I feel like the way they're telling the story, cause even in those books and maybe because you got to really look at it and spend time with it, it was different for you as a reader um, and a listener. It was hard to digest some of those French aspects of the force. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was, and now maybe it's because I have more visual experience with clone wars and rebels and things like that, but they've done such a good job of like opening up. And I think part yeah. of it is the concept that the Jedi don't own the force. They don't own yeah. the force. Yeah. The force yeah, is yeah. something that's everywhere and how you perceive it and how it speaks to you, you know, there's different things that you can do to interact with it. And right. really, once you start to try to own the force and bend it to what you want, that's actually where you start to fall into darkness. Right. And so yeah. um, it's crazy to see 
Yoda being alive during that time. And he's also alive during the fall of the Jedi. So he's seen this decline where it's like, this is really the box we want to be within. And that's actually yeah. the downfall of the Jedi is a limiting of your, it's not because you're limiting others views. You're limiting what the force is allowed to do. Right. You know what it I mean? You're, you're putting your, it in your box. Or, yeah. 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 It's very cool. I'm excited. So, um, man, I, I want to be, uh, just say thank you so much for being on. Um, I know that we we got started just a couple minutes late getting stuff figured out, but thank you so much for being on, Mark. You're always so much fun to talk to. And uh, one of these days, we'll just go back and forth and do impressions and you'll kill me. Uh, and uh, But it's, it's a lot of fun. Love talking Star Wars with you. And uh, we'll be posting this in the next couple of days. I'll be sure to tag you and all that kind of stuff so you can see it. Um, and man, thank you once again for coming on. It's been a, It's been an honor. Thank you. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Thank you. So uh, we'll see you guys next time. Make sure to follow the Chist Ascendancy on all those social platforms. Uh, we're always posting on YouTube, Instagram, all those good things. Um, Mark had his stuff there. Make sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram and keep up to date with all of the audiobooks that are coming out. Lots of great stuff. Um, if you're not familiar with Legends, they're always putting out uh, Legends Essentials, which is really fun. And uh, so make sure you check him out. And thank you guys so much for tuning into the Chist Ascendancy. Remember, the force will be with you always and we'll catch you next time.